Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Je suis Charlie, and we are live with a new completely unnecessary podcast for Wednesday, January 14th. 2015 alongside somewhat sick that's the norm ian ferguson i don't feel well i have high triglycerides i'm pat contrary we'll get into your medical history <laughs> in a bit we have a packed show uh, we're gonna be talking about the ant-man teaser that was just released along with the avengers age of ultron trailer number two those a steam events uh sealed and graded on ebay right now by the time you might be listening to this it'll be over the auction a man hate buys 100 Rosalina Amiibo figures. That really makes me laugh when I say hate buys. Uh, the new 3DS XL was uh, announced for February 13th in the U.S., along with uh, Majora's Mask 3DS XL already being scalped. And the trade-in policy coming for GameStop, uh, along with the Nintendo Direct news of Wii games being sold on the eShop pretty soon. Nintendo no longer selling their products in Brazil due to tariffs and taxes. My Alicia Dragoon drama. Microsoft lays out their Let's Play guidelines for YouTube videos. Macho Man to the WWE Hall of Fame. And your Q&A. Ian, how, how are the triglycerides doing? <laughs> I'm falling apart, Pat. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> I gotta, I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh, but I mean... I got a routine I, lithium panel back, and uh, they noted that my triglycerides have uh, quintupled in the last year. Um, and for those out there, you want your triglycerides to be lower, not higher. Right, right. Uh, triglycerides it's, don't get it's superpowers. Not, it's not like you're playing a pinball game. Um, you know, eventually that could really affect organ function. Liver, uh, liver kidney? Li- liver and kidney, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, um, go drink less and work out more. You know, try not to eat so many Twizzlers. Uh, that's probably not the best thing, or the Haritos is probably not the best. Either. Well, baby steps, Pat. Baby steps. Baby step. No, a baby step will be drinking apple juice instead of Haritos. That'd be the baby step. <laughs> that's that's the step to the moon I'm right just, there. I'm just gonna get high before every podcast now instead of drinking Ballast Point. I don't know why you don't come and do yoga with me. I think that'd be great. That would definitely lower my triglycerides. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, that's uh, that's life. Um, that's all for me. I'm working on my DVD still, slowly but surely. It will get done. Hmm. Um, uh, I will have a new flea market man flea market madness out probably before the end of the month, and then I probably won't be able to get to any major work though until after that DVD gets shipped off to the production house. Unfortunately, hey, I have to do that. That's what pays the bills. Besides this nice podcast, anything else going on in? In Ian Land, there was, but I've—I mean, I've totally forgot. The triglycerides have taken over. I just want to go home. I mean, here's the thing: <laughs> I, Vani and I, constantly, you know, play fight over it. But she better than clay fight. Better than clay fight. She thinks that it's. Uh, she thinks that this is unreasonably cold weather, right? So like. We have like we have like five of the heaviest, thickest blankets on our bed. So it's like one third Vani, uh, three thirds blanket, and point uh, five thirds uh, me. And I know the math doesn't add up, but it does. 
But the past few days, I, I've just I've wanted that fortress of blankets. I've, I've wanted to do nothing right. but sleep. Let's let's remind people that we live in, we live in the most temperate part of the country. Yes, and so for cold for us is like fifty seven degrees is cold for well, us, especially for people like Pat and I because we're from places where it's much much colder. Buffalo is an icebox six months of the year. Um, so yeah, you know, I mean, I wake up in sweats because you know I've got one blanket on and. Uh, Bonnie always accuses me of stealing all the blankets. I'm like, I have no reason to steal the blankets. Uh, how about a nice robe? A nice robe with the hood that would uh, keep you warm. That'd be nice. I'll, I'll well, show you mine that I got for Christmas. Maybe I'll get some because it's like you're surrounded by a blanket. Maybe basically. just some pajamas, and then I wouldn't need any toppings. You know? No, maybe no. Like the, pizza. I, the, I, I'll, the I'll sell you on the robe because the robe's like a giant blanket that you snuggle up in. All right. Or just get a snuggie. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, Let's start off the uh, podcast with a couple of uh, trailers. We're going to talk about some movie news. Movie news. Um, the Ant-Man teaser came out, and I wanted to kind of spearhead this one because I've been really... Um, You've been down on it I've ever been, since the announcement Edgar Wright was leading yeah, as director. Yeah, I've, I've been really down on it since they said that. Um, I love Edgar Wright as a director, and I think he could have done something really fun and great with Ant-Man. Um the trailer that was, or the teaser that was shown, though, was pretty decent. What was interesting to me about it, uh, because it's just a teaser, there's not a lot of story shown. I mean, the suit looks nice and all that. There's a couple of, suit like, looks great. It's a couple of effect shots that look cool, but what I like is that they build it up, and it plays perfectly to Ant-Man, too. It's got this very serious tone, and the only two times uh, Paul Rudd talks in the trailer... Kind of like he's taking the piss out. of He's it. taking the piss out of it. Yeah. So you know there is still going to be, and that was the problem. I, I was afraid with with Edgar Wright gone, they would try to remove some of the levity of the character, um, and it doesn't look like they're going to do that. And I'm going to need to see a lot more to get behind it fully again. But at this point, I'm more inclined to see it. I was originally down on on this and with the Avengers film because Hank Pym, the original. Uh, Ant-Man and a, and a founder of the Avengers along with Wasp weren't in the Avengers. Right. And so what they decided to do was place them sort of in a sort of, uh, I guess, prior generation of heroes where Hank Pym was the original. Now you have the second Ant-Man, Scott Lang, and he's passing the suit along to he's, him. And he's great. I, I, don't, I don't I don't know much about that character. I, I like the original Hank Pym character a lot. Yeah, um, but Lang I, is fantastic. But I just, I understand why they're doing it because if Lang is the prominent one now, it makes more sense to have him be the one in the movies. And he's, I don't know, he, he fits, I, I think he's going to fit in better with the current crop of uh, Marvel superheroes they have, the way they have them talking, wisecracking, the, the attitude. Versus Hank. Yeah. He's a little more dry. Right. Because um, I, I think what he's called in the comic, I think Scott is uh, Astonishing Ant-Man. And it's definitely a more comedic take on uh, it. A more comedic take on it. So you do have uh, uh, Wasp's uh, daughter, or, or Hank and, and Wasp uh, daughter uh, being played by Evangeline Lilly as Hope Van Dyne. So she's going to be in it. So there is that somewhat connection. And, of course, Hank Pan is being played by Michael Douglas. So oh, oh, who, by the way, I have uh, I, I hate. You know like Michael Douglas? I hate Michael Douglas. Well, he's, I, there's two people that make me really, really cringe. Michael Douglas, Phil Collins. Michael Douglas is one of What did Michael Douglas ever do to you? Uh... He didn't have to do anything to me. You just, just, I just don't. don't I don't, like, I don't, don't like, like his him. attitude. I don't like his okay. face. But it's it's a, again though another good. Uh, at this point, they're not even coups, uh, casting coups because all their movies now, whether whether it's uh, 
um, what what's his name in Thor that got Odin to play? I can't think of it right now. Anthony Hopkins. Yes. Or any of those movies where they get these like grade A old school actors or older actors to appear, and they've now done done this constantly. Yep. Uh, what did we just saw in Guardians of the Galaxy? Um, we saw what's her name? I'm like blanking this early in the podcast, which is not good at all. That's just, that's not a good sign. Um, anyway, moving on. I'll get to that in a minute. So you were disappointed at first about Edgar Wright being gone, uh, but now you don't you don't mind as much. My reservations about an Ant Man movie um, are just that I know he can also like grow up in size yes. besides besides shrinking. I I don't know how easily you could pull off multiple set pieces where he's just shrinking down without it getting re- repetitious. Unless it's done in a way where he constantly shrinks up and down, up and down to get away from, you know what I mean, from stuff like that, it, then it could be If they cool. do it dynamically where he's up and down as, you know, for strategy, or, I mean, if there's something in the movie where suddenly he can't shrink down and now he's got to fight at normal size. But that was a concern of mine, too. Even going back to when Wright was doing it was, uh, how are you going to get multiple set, like you said, multiple set pieces out of this without without boring people because eventually it's just going to look like scenery changes. So I just remember Glenn Close from Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So actors like Glenn Close, Jeff Bridges, you're getting these sort of seasoned actors that come in and give your movie legitimacy. And by now, these actors that come on, you know, like like a Michael Douglas, they now realize these are good properties, they're run well. It's not it's no longer taking that sort of risk. Right. That maybe Jeff Bridges back in 2008, that was a semi risk to do it. So that's what I was trying to say before I just mind farted on Glenn Close's name for some reason. I was thinking of like Glenn Glary, Glenn Ross or something in my head. Would, would you say your mind was closed? So yeah, I, I think I, I have, I'm cautiously optimistic about uh, this movie, but if this was to say buy or sell a stock, I'd be neutral right now on Ant-Man. I'm going to yeah. see it, of course, but I'm mostly going to see it because I love Paul Rudd. Uh, he's, I do too. And so that he's selling me in, in that role. Yeah. You know, if it was someone else, eh, probably not. Which again goes to Marvel's credit of knowing how to cast these. At this point, you know they just—they haven't really swung and missed on any of their major casting decisions. No. When you think about it, so. So. Avengers: Age of Ultron is, I mean, also coming out what this year as well. I mean, we we're getting a, a full plate. Yeah, that's uh, May. And yeah. then I think was it July or is Ant Man? Is Ant Man? Um, and they just released another trailer for it. And this one, kind of the opposite. Um, it's not that I, I don't think it's going to be a good movie, um, but like I'm nitpicking stupid shit here. Like I don't like the voice they're using for Ultron. Um, doesn't sound dead or mechanical enough necessarily for me. I also don't like. Um, I even even though this is you know kind of like a, a new a, still a shorter trailer. They're really showing and hinting at bits of storyline that I, I'd rather just be left un, untouched. I mean, I, I realize... Come on, really, though, for a, for a major action movie, you, you don't think they're going to spoil some stuff? No, they are. I just, I mean... And so far, they haven't really it, revealed that much, honestly. No, they haven't, but it, it's 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 not so much what they're revealing or showing. It's it's what they're unveiling. It's it, Well, it's, it's that the that we're going to have another Hulk, you know, explosion, and, and, and this and that, and it's... Honestly, though, what else can you do with the Hulk when he's part of a team, though? What else can you do with him? He's going to rampage. 
And yeah. Otherwise, he just sits around until he saves the day at the end when he hulks up. And he's not Hulk's not Hulk's only an interesting character when he's done as Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. To me, he's not interesting almost in any other sort of way. You need to read um, World uh, War Pla- Hulk. Or no, whatever, yeah. no, Planet Hulk. Uh, World <laughs> World War Hulk was the smash and bash payoff to to, to Planet Hulk, which was fantastic, um, and that that legitimized the character for me. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't necessarily like the way the Ultron sounds. Um, I they can always change though, even the last. Oh, minute. I know. Digi- just digitize it a little bit more. And just little. Things... I actually thought he sounded more digitized in the first trailer, which you said you didn't see, versus the second one. It's like they almost dialed it back a little bit. Really? Yeah. It's just little things that they're insinuating in the trailer that, who knows, maybe they're just tricking us or playing with us. It was a short trailer. But I, I'm just not, I'm not I'm not feeling it, I guess, as much as I am other thing, uh, the they other movies they have made, coming up. They haven't ruined, I'm not spoiling for you, they haven't shown Vision yet. Yeah. So they're keeping that in their back pocket. Probably, True. Probably till at least the, the, the final trailer, which probably come out, I'd probably say March. Oh, those miracles. Vision's not a miracle. Miracle oh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Scarlet Witch and uh, Quicksilver. Hey, they had to fit it in somehow without calling them yeah, mutants. I'm sorry. I think Miracle makes sense. Uh, I, it, They're miracles. It does. It's just... <laughs> They're the Marvel miracles. miracles. They should just call them Marvels. They call them the Marvels. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's where the name You're comes right. from. They have vision. Um, I, 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 am, I think it's going to be a fun movie. I think it's going to be a lot better than the first movie. I, I don't like rewatching the first Avengers movie. I said it before. The first Avengers movie is the first, uh, the first 40 minutes. They come together, have a few fights... Loki does his thing where he's Hitler in, in Germany. And then they're on the freaking helicarrier for like an hour before the last battle. That's the movie. There's like three major set pieces of the entire movie. And most of it's them on, on the helicarrier. Oh, we're not, we're not a team. We're a dynamite or whatever. Ready to explode. It's like, all right. Then you, I love the one. Then you have the 35-minute battle at the end, which, okay, it wears on you, but it's fun in the end. I, I loved it when I saw it, but I never went back to it. No. Specifically. Specifically because I knew it, the story. I, it, the story shit. It wouldn't hold up to to repeated viewings. But the story. But it still doesn't make it a shit movie. It, no, it, no, I didn't it, say the movie shit. I'm just it, saying it's not interesting it, to watch again. It, it did what it needed to do. It's it's like a comic. When you go back and re reread your favorite comics, you want to reread the ones that necessarily have the best action with the best story. Yes, and it's the same thing with the movies. Yeah. you know. Um, but I think it's going to be better though because all that how they got together craps out of the way, and now we can amp it up and have more interaction between the characters and you're going to have the dissidents of the team and you know more of the character arcs coming because the character most of the characters didn't have a story arc at all in the first Avengers movie it was all about let's fight together that was the big arc let's find a way to fight together Hulk kind of did which is why I'm wondering why they're it seems like they're going to rehash the Hulk shit I wish they would just focus on the other characters a little bit more I, well, I think they're going to obviously lay the seeds for Civil War is going to be in this movie. Eh, they, okay, show, they, yeah. show, they show that in the teaser. They show Thor with his hand around Tony Stark's neck. So there's yeah. some animosity building up here. We'll see what happens. Uh, and then you're off and running after this. After This is, I think, the last year you're going to have only uh, two Marvel movies in the year. I think starting next year, I think it's three already. Or maybe the year after. Basically. Are we really two, only three. getting two this year? Just Ant-Man and Avengers? Yep. Huh. And then next year you have Civil War, Doctor Strange. Um, then already, I think 2017, that's when you have Guardians of the Galaxy, and we're going to be dead by then, because I'm getting so old. So My triglycerides are just, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be, I'm, my triglycerides are just going to be coming out of my nose, my mouth. Too bad it weren't like midichlorians. You couldn't like control <laughs> stuff with them, you couldn't like force, force choke someone or move objects, you know? The triglycerides are with you, always. Uh, speaking of, of useless things. A Steam Events cart, a graded sealed one, oh. came up for auction on eBay. And boy, did the internet go nuts. Again, just like in 2010 when uh, when a 
uh, Yahoo reported when a, a woman found like a box of old Nintendo stuff and put it up for auction and one happened to be a box same event and went for like $11,000 and the world exploded. Oh, all your video games are worth tons of money. And it brought in all the fucking creepers and all the profiteers and all the people trying to scam. And it's been downhill since then. Well, this is another opportunity to have to happen uh, again in a way. But what happened here was the time we're saying this, there's less than a day left and it was up to $100,000 and that's when sites like Polygon are reporting it and IGN, but the, even they were smart enough this time to say that most of these bids are probably fake and it's not going to be paid for. Good. Which doesn't usually happen. Good, yeah, because I was going to say, the story is disinteresting to me at this point because I, I knew that was bullshit. I didn't read those articles. I'm glad they at least had the um, the the foresight to be yeah. like, okay, let's do our research here. Because, I mean, I can't tell you how many people send this sent this to me. It's like, you do realize that an eBay bid is not like... No, it's not it's, a contract. It's, 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 it's not a signed contract. No. This this game is not going for $100,000. No. This is... This, They're not bound you unless have, you sue them, but yeah. that's not going to happen. You have to wait until the dust settles before you can actually see what something went for. Because, what was it, uh, in 2014, I think it was early 2014, when the label NWC went for $100,000, and they were all joke bids. And everyone reported like it was real. It's like, no, you assholes. Of course it wasn't. Right. You know, it's like if you did even a little bit of, first of all, a little bit of common sense, but research, you know that it's fake. Unless it gets verified that it's usually like on a website form and you have the, the person who bought it say, here it is. Here's my name written on it that you know it's mine and this is what I paid. Otherwise, you don't know. Right. So, I mean, obviously, it's it has a chance. It, a lot of bids were taken away and now it's back to down to like 35000 We'll see where it ends up. I think the most valuable single game, I believe, up to this point, has been a complete in-box Atari Air Raid, which went for around, I want to say, 33000 Um, because was, I think there's only one that had the manual, and there was one or two without the manual. I'm not a big Atari guy, but this this got a chance to top it. But here's the thing about Stain Events, besides the fact that it's culturally worthless to the history of video games. Yeah. Worthless. Um, there's only going to be talking 20, 30 years now, a limited amount of people that will be interested in a game like Stadium Events Complete versus NWC carts or games that have some sort of historical significance. May not be worth as much, but it's going to be a lot harder to find those buyers. Right, and that's something that I was thinking as well in talking to customers about. If we see this hit 35, which it's at now, if it sells for this, it's not like... I think we're going to be hitting the ceiling with something like this at some point in the future because, like as you stated, it does not have the cultural significance or the 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 interest of collectors necessarily that something like an NWC cart would have, and even mainstream like casual collectors that may not know much about it. So when you buy an NWC cart, it's pretty. It, 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 it's you're going to be able to resell it for the same, if not more most likely for quite some time. I have a feeling that if this goes for 35, 40k, if it if the person ever decides to get rid of it, I don't think they're necessarily going to get that back. Or this is not going to be a guarantee where this is going to be the new sort of standard price. Because again, if there's only six or seven people willing to spend this much money on this, and this could be only be a one time thing, or who knows if there's shenanigans going on with this because maybe there's I think there's like two or three seal same events out there. Maybe people are trying to push it up for their value. Right. The point is, is that there's not going to be 20 people willing to spend $30,000 on a complete in-box seal state events. No. There's not going to be. Um, we saw that when, when back in, again, 2010, when the state events came out and then you had some asshole try to buy three or four of them in the corner of the market. 
and he had to bid them up himself to get that price up to like ten thousand each time. Or else, what happens is all you take is all it takes is for a price to plummet for something like this, a piece like this, is that if two people own it, and, you, and that's like say that knocks out a third or a half of the potential buyers at a certain price value, each one that comes up next will drop in price, right? Because it's such a niche item. It's like the difference between. Um, even if this is technically, even if obviously there's there's less probably still same events than an NWC cart, is the difference between having a Detective Comics 27, which is culturally significant, versus you know, well, Detective Comics number one is worth a lot, but you're gonna have a hell of a lot harder time selling Detective, Detective Comics number one because nothing happens in Detective Comics number one. 27 is the first Batman; that's the one people want. Right. So even if there's less number ones. You're going to have a hard time offloading that. I say that now, even though they're probably worth both worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, but you see what I'm saying, though. You're always going to you're always going to have a buyer for 27. You're not always going to have a buyer for number one. Well, I just look at it this way: cultural significance at a lower price versus no cultural significance at a higher price. You're going to be able to keep the value of the lower priced, more culturally significant item uh, for a longer time than you will a fucking stadium events, which I would use to mop up my jizz. <laughs> And we always talk about this and why I don't like this game. And people, if people, you say, well, you don't like it because you don't have it, you don't honestly think I could have owned one by now. You honestly don't think I could have shelled down the money if I really wanted one. It's not about that. This represents the worst side of video game collecting. And I know you hate game collecting in all forms for the most part, but this represents a game that is only valuable because of rarity and rarity alone. And it's a game you could easily look on the shelf and play in another form and it's the exact same game. And it's not a good game. It's a tech demo for the power pad. Yeah. So all those things put together makes me not want it for that much, you know, for that amount of money. You know, I balked at buying one when they were a grand loose. And now they're like two and a half or three grand loose. I, I still didn't think it was worth it. So that's, that shows you where I'm coming up. Sure. Speaking of stupid collectors. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of hate in this podcast so far. Well... I mean, not really, but people are horrible. Why does Ian hate everything? Why? Because a man bought 100 Rosalina Amiibos just so fans couldn't fucking have them. This type of guy who lubes up with ketchup and fists himself for fun on a weekend night. Um, I, I mean, literally, the guy has bought 100 Rosalina Amiibo figures. He did so by using addresses of his friends and family... So his friends and family are assholes too, or they just don't know what he's doing. Were they doing. complicit, or do they yeah, know yeah? What he's I doing mean, I, they don't really. I, who knows if they know? Um, and I mean, the only, the only evidence that this has actually happened is a couple of pictures of amiibo piles with him giving like the middle finger. But uh, he says he plans on doing it for future characters too that he doesn't like. And to read him talk about it, I mean, he just sounds like a basement-dwelling fucking well, scumfuck. He, he's, he's obviously socially and or mentally disturbed, obviously, to do this. Yeah. Um, his I guess his online moniker is Nintendo Nuggets. Uh, it's Daily Dose and Mario to Plumber. Oh, Nintendo Nuggets is where they interviewed him. Yes. Daily Dose and Mario the Plumber are his online He monikers. says, and I quote, I do not appreciate Rosalina appearing in almost every recent Mario game to date. The fact Nintendo promotes her so much and people praise her is just disgusting, he said. Daily Doves continued, I hate her fans, too. I know for a fact her amiibo will be among the most popular, which is why blah, 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 shit character designs. He also says that he's going to buy Lucina, Palutina, Robin, and Zero Suit Samus in, in the hundreds so that fans can't get them, which leads me to believe that it's not just 
Nintendo. It's not just Rosalina. It seems like he has a problem with women and vi- women as well. I'm it's, just I'm just gonna right. point out who's Paulatina. I don't know that one. The princess from fucking Kid Icarus. Okay. I mean, so he's singled out one, two, three, four, uh, five, five okay. female well, Nintendo well, okay. characters. Well, if it's only two or three, I said okay. Well, if it's five. Then yeah. yes, you have some sort of weird sort of animosity towards women. women. We could talk about a, like a psychological profile of this guy, but it's pretty obvious what type of person this is. Yeah, I, and I feel honestly feel bad because he obviously has some mental issues. This isn't just a guy being an asshole. And plus, well, he obviously has the money to buy a hundred. He blew thirteen hundred dollars plus shipping He's- and taxes on. I'm just a Rosalina fig- uh, figure alone. No, I think he said that's how many he how, what he's thirteen hundred. Did you say thirteen hundred dollars? Yeah, yeah, it's a hundred times thirteen dollars. And then he's put in. He said he's put in a lot more, and he has an additional thirty five thousand to invest in the figurines. Thirty five thousand, not thirty five hundred. I, you know what? Ah, uh, yeah. No, this is not a good person. Obviously, he has mental issues. Um, it's just a shame. It's it's really a shame. Uh, because there are people that just want one and they won't be able to get it. That's that's bullshit. Yeah. I wish th- these stores had a policy where you can only buy one. Pre-order. You know what? You can get one. Right. Don't care how many addresses you have. I mean, if, if, I mean, th- you can only do so much to do pre-order one, but like one per card, that, that even limits yeah. you a little bit. You one know? per address. One, one per shipping address. One per... If you, if you want to get 100, you're going to have to go through a hell of a lot of trouble to get 100. Right. Yeah. You know, um... I hate her fans, too. Yeah, this guy has some issues. Yeah. I hate her. I hate her fans. I hate the way she looks. And, oh, by the way, I hate these other four women characters, uh, so I'm going to buy a bunch of these. And I, I know for a fact her Amiibo will be among one of the most popular. No, it'll just be the most sought after because an asshole like you is buying them all up. Well, no. It's not popularity. A lot of people did want her. I understand that, but there's not going to be more of those sold than Mario's. That's my point. It's like oh, the, the sure. mainstream characters are the most popular, not Rosalina. Yeah. So I yeah. do not want our fans to be happy. It just crushes me. It just crushes me. Nintendo from the good days went to the shit for character design. It's when they all look like the same character designs. I mean, Nintendo princesses have the exact same. They are so similar in design to each other that it's basically Disney princesses. Like they share certain traits. So he doesn't have a problem with regular Samus, but zero suit Samus because she's uh, what, obviously because she's skimpy. What you, she's, you, I guess you, because she looks sexual. You, 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 he doesn't you, you, like sexualized female characters. Maybe or I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, but he's a fucking prick, and I hope he trips down the stairs. <laughs> Is that how we're gonna end? We wish bodily harm on somebody. <laughs> So, we, we had fisting with ketchup, and now we have guy tripping down the stairs. It's just how I feel. It's just how I feel right now. Uh, but I am pretty happy about the new 3DS XL uh-huh. coming out on February 13th. Why? Uh, because I'll just say it, I'm a shameless whore for Nintendo handhelds. I will buy pretty much any new Nintendo handheld they release. All the revisions, I like them. Um, you, want, you want to remind people what the difference is between this and the regular? Yeah, so it's going to have a better processor. It has uh, two additional uh, shoulder buttons. It has a better um, 3D viewing system. Better and, thumbstick. And uh, uh, a, a C-stick. A C-stick. And, uh, but the 3D viewing system is interesting uh, in that the sweet spot has been made bigger. Uh, I guess somehow... I don't you know if it's it with the gyro, the gyro or what, but something in there, I don't know the tech, has made it so that you can tilt or move around a lot more and still see I, the, the crystal clear 3D. I put my 3D on barely, I can notice it. I don't even use it, um, honestly. Some games, like 
Kirby Triple Deluxe you look great. No, you don't, but they just look fantastic. Okay. Other games, like, I'll flick the Switch up and down, you know, just to see it in new spots. Just... It doesn't matter so much to me. Um, but, you know, the faster processor is cool. and MicroSD uh, support's pretty cool. MicroSD. Um, cool. It'll have support for the Amiibos built in, so it'll have NFC support. Mm-hmm. Um so all in all, I'm looking forward to it, and because I planned on buying the XL one, um, I'm I'm happy. Uh, people, though, there's been a bit of outrage, and I, I, I from some angles, I I really do understand it. In some angles, I think it's almost faux outrage uh, about Nintendo not bringing over the smaller 3D, uh, the, the, the smaller, smaller new 3DS. 3DS. Now, on one hand, I understand. For instance, Vani loves her 3DS XL, but it's a pain for her to lug around. Um, she liked the size of her small 3DS so she could put it in like a, a little backpack. But at the same point in time, I understand people wanting it, but nin- it, it's not like Nintendo did this arbitrarily. No, but how hard would it have been to ship over? I mean, if, if they're selling in Japan, they'd sell here. I'm not saying they'd sell even a tenth of them, but don't make them unavailable. Don't don't have left well, people so so what's the, them. here's the here's the option. If Nintendo thinks that it's not going to sell well and they're going to lose money on it because they've seen that the 3DS XL is is it seems to be what people grab, then what do they do? Announce, "Okay, we're going to bring over a limited supply of these." And then just a bunch of fucking scalpers no, are going to buy them and run the prices gotta, through the roof. There's got to be a happy medium here. I I mean, not, what if you have smaller hands? What if you're like a, a you buy it for your ten year old? I'm I mean, not saying there's no reason for yeah. it. To you, have you're it saying business wise, it, it doesn't make sense for them. I'm saying business wise, I'm sure they were the sales that abysmal then everywhere else that they said we're not going to bother. No, but it, I, I'm just saying that it was once they brought out the 3ds XL. I think they saw enough of their fan base transition to it to think that they wouldn't need to. I don't think this is malicious on Nintendo's part. I, okay, I don't. At least at the very least, they're not doing bullshit where. They'd bring out the new 3DS first, and then the XL six months later. Right. Or you, at least they're not doing. At least they're giving you the choice up front. I wish they did that with the 3DS originally, but you know they usually don't do it. Nintendo always likes to force you to buy at least two of the right. same freaking handheld. That goes back to obviously the original Game Boy. So, um, yeah. So you're I mean, gonna get one. Gonna, oh, are, yeah. are you gonna are you gonna do the GameStop trading? Uh, well, we could talk about that. Um, the. I'm kind of interested in the Monster Hunter 4 one, which probably will not sell out like the Majora's Mask one did. Uh, the Monster Hunter 4 3DS XL, because I like Monster Hunter and it comes pre-packed. Um, the problem with doing trade-ins, now, uh, GameStop is offering 75 for a 3DS and 100 for a 3DS XL, which would make the new 3DS XL 100 or 125. Um, the problem is, is if you trade in your system to get another system, you um, you can't do the system transfer. You can't do your data transfer. Okay. You run the risk of losing all of your saves and all of your games. Um, now, some game stops are cool enough to let you do your system transfer there. Um, if they have Wi-Fi and it's not a busy enough place. For instance, if I went and visited my buddy behind enemy lines, he would totally let me just do the transfer there and enemy be and be off with it. Um but you know that's that's my problem with these these uh these these trade in bonuses towards systems is so much is locked to each system and they only let you transfer it once. And you know or you have to transfer it to get that stuff back. So is it really worth saving a hundred bucks to lose all your progress and have to rebuy shit? I don't know. Um, is that what it is? They gave you a hundred dollar trade in? Hundred dollar trading. That's credit. not bad. 
it's not. I don't. I, I mean, I don't like to give GameStop any credit, but That's it's, it's not, not bad. bad. It's not like only fifty dollars because at a hundred dollars, if you try to sell probably yourself on eBay, you're probably not going to get a huge amount more than that once this is out. You probably get like one hundred and thirty, one hundred and forty. I am looking to possibly do the trade in. In all earnestness, it would just. I'd have to call up my friend and be like, "Hey, I'm what day are you in? I'm coming in, and I'm gonna, you know, can I do my transfer there using you guys' Wi-Fi? Otherwise, I otherwise I'll just pay. I will. I will pay the extra money." And then just, you know, give away... Because that's what I've done in previous times where that sort of thing has come up. I've just given away the 3DSs. You know, I've just been like, well, fine, fuck it, you need one here. Um, you have interest in that Majora's Mask? Limited edition. I don't, but I have a lot of friends who are, and uh, God, the scalping with the Majora's Mask limited edition game with the, the statue. So that started... It's, it's right now we're recording this on the 14th. Right. So this is the first day they're available? No, 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 no. I'm talking about. I'm saying it started with the Majora's Mask 3DS limited edition game. Oh, with the figure, and that's okay. already being scalped to high heaven. Okay. Um, today they started pre-orders for the system. 3DS XL new 3DS XL system, which is gold. It has a cool design on it. That's probably that's. And I think it has the game pre-installed, which makes sense. Um, as of like noon. Our time, uh, GameStop was already not taking pre-orders. But it, it, you had to go in person or uh, online? No, they just weren't. Well, they they, they just weren't. Oh. They, they were oh. done. They were done. They, they had finished it. Um, a lot of online places aren't or stopped. And there's already people online trying to flip these fuckers for fifteen hundred, two grand. I don't understand it. I mean, along I with the, I mean, you, you throw in shit like I said the, the the figurine combo, uh, the. You know, PlayStation 20th anniversary system. The scalping of video games shit is just getting out of control. Here, here's the problem with something like this, though, and this is how this is not capitalism. Oh, I know. capitalism entails some sort of risk. I guarantee you, a lot of people putting up these big buy it nows, they don't have them in hand, and some of them no. may not even get them. So if they hit that 1500 buy it now, oh yeah, they're gonna the, the seller's gonna find a way to get them. But if they can't, they'll just cancel the sale. Right, because and I, I'm not certain on this because but... people do that all the time. People will pre pre. Uh, sell stuff without it being in hand, hoping yes. that they get it. Well, and that's what I'm curious about here. A lot of places were making people put down the full amount to pre-order the system to try to prevent the scalping, but I would almost guarantee you that you could still go in and cancel that pre-order if you wanted to. People are trying to sell the pre-order now. So I guess they yeah. got the pre-order, so they're trying to sell it for $380, so they're trying to do double what the cost is, $415. So I guess... Some people realize that these are these may not be as limited as you think, but that's the again that's the problem. It's just that it, it, most of the, I'd say I'd say a good chunk of these are going to be scalpers trying to get them all. Yeah, you know. I, it always is. I mean, especially right. in the first day because mo- most here's the thing: is it, people are crazy about their games, but is everyone crazy enough to go out the first day and, and get it? Probably not. No, this I'm is not. totally scalpel scalpel. Scalper bullshit. Um, it's scalpy. It's very scalpy. If it, if it, you know, I mean, it's just. Uh, I had two friends who wanted one, and they both were able to get it. But I just feel bad for anyone there, who can't because there's no way they're selling out in one day just from gamers. There are. If I'm just doing an eBay search, this is the first day. Hundred pages. There are 628 for sale right now. 628. Trying to be scalped within the within 24 hours of these being available. That's gross for a number of reasons, and it says a lot of things. One, it says that they're not as 
they're not going to be as hard to come by, no. hopefully, as uh, they're making it seem now. But two, it just shows how gross humanity is. I, mean, I we have God, six, we have six hundred and twenty-eight that were, and this is just I eBay. Hope this is like like the Wii U, and that they're going to be more widely available than people think. Yeah, and that they they be stuck with them. Yeah, or or they they come out and say, hey, we've got another batch of pre-orders open next week because they did that with the uh, the Ocar- or not Ocarina of time, the Majora's Mask figurine bundle mm-hmm. and it sold out immediately again but they did do a second run of it so maybe so they, they can will... keep doing those so it, it is possible that they could say okay we've got you know go to your local store whatever we've got more of the the uh, Majora's Mask 3DS's and, and that's the only way for Nintendo to counter us if they care at all is to just keep pumping them out pumping them out well, that's, it, that's it I kind of wonder how much Nintendo cares I mean I like Nintendo but Nintendo has been probably the biggest offender of limited edition crap in yeah. the past two three months even we've just seen all this shit from I mean, it really started with them being like, well, we're not discontinuing yeah, Amiibos. We can, no, we are discontinuing We'll talk Amiibos. about that a bit later for the Q&A. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, it, it. so... Anyway. So, the 3D XL is coming out. New 3DS XL. Oh, the last thing that The last is, thing you want to talk about the charger? Yeah, and this has got people up in arms, and I understand it, because it's useless without it. Um, the new 3D, the Nintendo 3DS, the new Nintendo 3DS XL is not going to come with a, a charger. Um... On one hand, I am in that lucky enough pile where I have so many of these wall warts, it's not going to bother me at all. I have chargers for this for days. But for anyone who this is the first system, um, they're instantly going to be hit with like a fifteen twenty dollar. Uh, I, I think it's going to be fifteen dollars, or I'd say be fifteen or twenty dollars because you can buy them right now Best Buy for fourteen ninety nine. Yeah, it's just if it's just a three DS charger, it's, it's shitty. It is shitty. I think I think it sets a bad precedent. Um, for future handhelds or devices, they're assuming you have one of the earlier ones, and some people have it. Not everyone. I just think it's really shitty for them to do that. It, they're not saving that much money. No, these it, don't cost them anything. And it's similar to. I mean, I think the precedent was actually set further further back. Um, it all started as soon as companies stopped packing everything you needed in the box to be good to go. Like, when Sony stopped including memory cards in their PlayStations. If you're not including a memory card, if you're not including a... I mean, you can't do, you, you can't do anything without a memory card. You can't do anything without a wall charger. When you're not including things in the box that are required for play... Right. Now, I know you can buy these. You can buy, like, the third-party ones for probably only 250 each. Sure. If you buy them overseas, you have to wait. Somehow, you can buy it for 250 ships or $3.00. That's fine, but most people will just dish out the $15, and Nintendo wins that way. Nintendo, just throw in... It costs you probably 50 cents to throw these things in. Yeah. Just do it. I, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. That's all. No, it, it is It is a stupid thing for them to do. So, along with Nintendo Direct coming out with news about the new 3DS XL, the other... Uh, at least, to me, the biggest news was about... I'm not shocked by this, but it's disappointing in a way, I'll get into it, was about uh, Wii games are going to be start being sold on the eShop. They'll be sold for $20, and I think for the first week they'll have a promotion that they're half price for $10. It's just disappointing that we are now in sort of the realm where we can't even do backwards compatibility, or at least be happy with it, these companies, be happy with it for even the prior generation. I had no problem with them saying we're going to sell GameCube games. That's fine. It's two generations ago, Maybe game cues are harder to find. I just, I just, I just wish they were they'd be content. Nintendo, maybe that's naive. It's a business. They'd be content with letting, you know, the prior 
generation hardware and software be there because you can play Wii games in a Wii U. You, well, yeah, you, 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 so I don't understand wh- why this big push, especially since for a lot of these games you'll be able to find the physical copy for the same amount of pr- or price cheaper. Or, or cheaper. So it's not like they're charging. If if they were coming out and saying we're going to charge, you know, say because you can still buy obviously Wii games new in the store. You can you can find a lot of these like Mario Galaxy two. You can yeah. buy fine. So why charge? Unless you come out and say we're going to charge you way below the retail. Otherwise, I don't. I don't like it. Um, my my larger problem. I mean, first of all, like you said, yes, there is backwards compatibility already on the system. Um, two, uh, I wish a little bit more effort had been put in. The gamepad has motion controls. Uh, it has all the buttons and joysticks uh, necessary to emulate a Wii remote and nunchuck hookup. Um, and I know some of the games. Some games do rely on like a. A shake of the nunchuck or a shake of the remote, but I just wish they had found a way. I, I feel like I'd be more interested if it meant it felt like more of a cohesive part of the system where I could just sit down and be like, I want to play Mario Galaxy. Click it and I'm playing it with the gamepad. You know, whereas I don't have to, you know, grab the Wii Mote and the nunchuck and play it that way. Um, I realize that there are going to be some games that are going to require both. I just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's it's like when um, Microsoft started doing their titles on demand, and they were just charging outrageous prices. All this is preying on is 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 the lazy. Yes, I was going to say who's going to be buying this? People that oh, I'll just spend money on this without realizing they can buy the physical copy. So this is what the my my problem is. This I mean, Galaxy Two is more than twenty dollars. Yes, that's going to be more than twenty dollars. But the original Mario Galaxy is twenty bucks new still. You can find that yep. probably in any store. Yeah, seventeen, eight, fifteen used. So Nintendo, you might as well d- drop the price at least fifteen or ten bucks. Don't charge twenty dollars for it. That just seems like bad business to me. I, if if everyone else wasn't doing it worse, I would agree. But at this point, I think Nintendo's just following suit, and I can't get super mad at Nintendo for doing it. But I don't see this being a service that I'm going to take advantage of uh, very often, if ever. You know, unless it's just something that was really, really hard to get, you know, and I don't want to, you know, and where the value actually suddenly becomes worthwhile. You know, if they put Xenoblade Chronicles on there or something sure. like that. I, I don't think I'll ever be in a position where I will buy a <clears throat> a game within the last generation or current generation unless it was a significant value saver to go digital versus buying the physical uh, property, just for many reasons. Right. Just because, you know, it's attached to that system. If something happens to that system... Or you want to sell it, it's gone. You know, things like that. You know, or if it's a game that it, we always talk about, we don't talk about it enough, but a game that requires a server to be on somewhere, and then 10 years from now, that server is gone. We don't know what's going to happen to the you know, PS3 and PS4 games <laughs> it's really 10 pile, years from now. That's starting to pile up, too. Like, we have games that, um, we have a pile of games that work with a note on it that says, do not buy servers down. And it's like, so P- it's, it's, it's a pile of like PS3 and I think some 360 games. That you know we are just never to take in again because they're they're dead they're useless games they're like, lost games basically ga- games like you know well they're probably not really that big of a deal but games like Mag or SOCOM Confrontation you know like you literally can't do anything with them they you, are, you can put them on but you can't play them they are a dead Blu-ray they are just a Blu-ray that does nothing anymore and we're talking games that are less than ten years old we're so, talking so. games that are less than five I think for most of those they just said ah eh, screw it no one, we don't think anyone's playing them anymore so. 
Yeah, I think I think Mag came out when one uh, when one of our last employees was working, and that was no more than three four years ago. So yeah, once again, the biggest problem I don't have a problem with buying games on your system or eShop, but just the price the price point give value. Don't say, well, oh, ten dollars for the first. No, have it always be ten dollars. You'll sell a hell of a lot more than having them at twenty bucks. And hey, Nintendo, it's not costing you a damn thing to yeah. produce those. So just lower the price just a little bit. Help us out here. More Nintendo news. This is a very Nintendo heavy podcast. This comes from Sega Country. This comes from Sega Country. It does. Um, we're going we're to get into politics and economics economics a little bit, but the, the news that's come out, uh, Nintendo officially announces that they are done selling products in Brazil due to uh, high tariffs and taxes. Now, if you don't know what tariffs are, tariffs are import taxes. Right. So what happens is a country, for whatever reason, you can say it's antiquated, but most countries have done this in the past. It's a way to make sure your economy can fairly compete, in theory, against importing. So say, say for example, um, you import TVs from another country, but you produce TVs yourself, but the TVs you produce in your own country cost more for whatever reason. So to, to, to be able to fairly uh, compete, you put a tariff on products coming in, uh, that on the on these companies forcing them to raise the price so that the price more matches what your economy is producing. It's very I don't countries still do this, but not for mainstream products, especially video games. Right for the most part. Now I did read that uh, Brazil did try to do this. They did this to Apple, forcing Apple to set up some sort of shop in Brazil so they wouldn't cost a huge amount of money. Microsoft actually set up shop in Brazil so they could manufacture Xbox One. So what you're looking at is this. Um, so the Wii U, when it launched in Brazil, cost 830 U.S. dollars. So that's more than double what it costs in the U.S. That's due to tariffs and taxes that Nintendo had to pay, and they had to make up the cost there. That's a huge tax well, to and, pay. And what what it, 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 and the thing is, as much like you said with tariffs and their original purpose, uh, what is what is Nintendo competing against that Brazil's making? Yeah. Um, for example, the games then had to be marked up to uh, $87 US versus probably 50 or 60 That's like a, a 50% increase. That's a, that's a lot of taxes Nintendo's paying. And I hate to say it, a lot of this sounds a little bit like a little corruption. They probably wanted to pay out from Nintendo. to sort of, you know, Maybe they wanted Nintendo to grease the wheels a little bit in order to get their product in there and... Nintendo probably said, we're not playing ball. Fuck you. We're going to leave. Right. Well, you know, so what they've said is, uh, you know, uh, they mentioned Nintendo could bypass this by setting up a plant in Brazil to build. Right. Well, Why would they? That's the thing, though. Microsoft did, and now Microsoft has a stronghold in Brazil. I mean, but it's whether or it's not... It's a huge investment, though. But it, it is. I'm not saying it's small. Um, and I'm not saying that Microsoft is necessarily smart to do it to tackle one region, but Microsoft did it for Xbox One, and and, and the Xbox Ones are like 300 I think like two to $300 cheaper than a, 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 an imported tariff PS4. Um, it seems to be a problem with large parts of Latin America with games, though. Uh, working in, in the store that I do on the border, you know, between uh, the U.S. and Mexico, um, we get a lot of Mexicans who come up and buy games from us because it's cheaper. Mm -hmm. Because what people do is, Nintendo's not gone in Brazil. What's going to replace this is a, is the gray market. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of uh, secondary sellers come in and, and right. get the product imported themselves. And, and, then and they'll, be, they'll be... And market up themselves. Too. They'll market up. They'll probably Middle be... Middlemen. Yeah. Middlemen. Right. They shouldn't have to exist. Right. 
And maybe they'll be a little bit cheaper, maybe they won't. You see a lot of that in uh, Mexican game stores as well, where you know a game that sells for $40 here is selling for $65 or $70 brand new there. Um, when people from Brazil used to come up to... Uh, so we live in Ocean Beach, which is a very... It's a very nice beach town. It's homey. A lot of people vacation here. A lot of young kids will come up here and spend their summers, usually from uh, Ireland or or Brazil. And when the Brazilians come up to Ocean Beach, they buy out the fucking store. They will buy every video game system they ever could possibly want because they are saving. They tell me literally hundreds, depending the one guy who bought like... Genesis systems for all of his friends and bought like PS3s and stuff like that. He was saving thousands of dollars on taxes by buying these. So I I don't I mean I feel bad, but um you know I think people have it backwards. You see a lot of people who are angry at Nintendo for pulling out of Brazil. This is not Nintendo's fault or problem. This is this is well, an this this is a an antiquated and bad use of a tariff system to no. to make Tar- all of their products more expensive. No, un- unless, again, unless you're producing the product yourself, the same product in your own country with your own local economy, a tariff at least makes theoretical sense. Here, it doesn't make any sense at all. Right. Not, there is no Brazi- there's no native Brazilian... Nintendo. Nintendo. Basically. Yeah. So, again, they're looking for a huge, huge amount of money. Nintendo was probably saying, we're going to spend all our time to get our product, pay these tariffs... And no one's going to buy our product. No one's going to spend eight hundred and fifty dollars on a Wii U. It's not going to make any sense. So why should why should we put in the time and effort to do the distribution and pay these taxes? And we're not going to sell the products. It makes ter- perfect business sense. They can't again. They're not going to go to Brazil and make Wii U's there and set up infrastructure, which could take years to properly do. And again, paying off people maybe in Brazil. Brazil is a country that has corruption uh, in the government. So. It doesn't make any sense for them to do that. It just doesn't. Well, and, it, and it's not like you say, well, it's Apple. Apple has a hell of a lot more money. Microsoft has a hell of a lot more money to, that they can they can take a chance and, and get a, get that immediate uh, money back. Well, Nintendo, that may not happen. Right, because they sell 3DS. They're a video game company that sells games and game devices. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it's also why we laugh when people say Nintendo is going to, to, to die or go under. Uh, they're not because Nintendo doesn't make stupid business decisions. They're probably the, Nintendo is not going to dump money into a facility. Yes, here. and plus, people forget the markup. Nintendo's not making that much money on their Wii U systems. Well, so, they they make they make money on their Wii U but, systems, which is more than most. But most it's not companies. like the the margin that Apple's making on their iPhones. No, no, absolutely. You know not. what I mean? So if Apple if it makes sense for a company like Apple to set up shop because if, if even if there's, it's going to cost them uh, a little bit more money to produce those phones there versus the child labor, you know, uh, sweatshops over over in Asia, if they're selling them for four hundred, five hundred dollars, and they only cost them you know thirty bucks each to produce versus Nintendo maybe cost them three twenty five per console and they're only making seventy five bucks. I'm just throwing that out there. That's a huge difference. In what you're selling and what you're doing. Well, and, and on the global market, Apple sells globally, I mean, tons of these things. Nintendo is, and this is not meant to be an insult, but it's like I said, Nintendo is small potatoes compared to Apple. Nintendo yes. is still, by and large, a toy company. Yeah. Yeah, and then plus, again, Apple's making that money back and also an app. They're getting a percentage of all the apps and, and the sales. Nintendo has to sell the software, too, and that's going to get tariffed, too, unless it, it just it doesn't make sense. It's unfortunate for everyone. It's unfortunate for Nintendo, and it's unfortunate for the people that Brazil that want to get Nintendo products. I'm fucking surprised Nintendo or Sony even try. 
I mean, I know, I I understand why Microsoft does now, but I'm really surprised that Nintendo, like Sony, or they even went in under any of those conditions. They tried, and they figured, well, after the first year, they're like, we're not making money. Why are we bothering? Right. We're not going to play your game. All right. On a more personal YouTube note, just a little, this is, I've been on YouTube now since, since June 2008, so it's been, wow, it's coming up on seven years, and I finally had a video removed from YouTube. I had a video flagged. It was my good old 2011 Alicia Dragoon video, and it wasn't removed because it had nudity in it, I found out, because there is no nudity in Alicia Dragoon video. Uh, nothing questionable, That nothing that shouldn't be on YouTube. It, I guess it was, this, this has happened to James's videos in the past, Cinemassacre, where they managed to take down the account for a day uh, by just false flagging videos. Uh, it was flagged for spam, scam, or deceptive commercial content, I, fi- I found out. And there's nothing deceptive about it. There was nothing deceptive. The thumbnail is, is the beautiful Julia Fair, who was in the video prominently. So I got it restored. It was just annoying because um, people don't realize is when a video gets taken down, you get a strike on your account, and then that could hurt your account. Three strikes, you're out within a certain amount of time, and you get you have different uh, abilities are less and less. But you can see Julia. You can see my Sega Genesis review, my first Sega Genesis review. Ian doesn't care, but for me, it's a big deal. It affects you, too, Ian. It can affect us getting the podcast out on YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, that's how you segue. You went from you went from the you went for the lowest common denominator on that one. I, I think it was a medium denominator. <laughs> Microsoft uh, laid out rules officially, rules for monetization of Let's Play videos, and I'm glad they did it. To Microsoft's credit, it's it's pretty fair. So, if you don't know what a Let's Play video is, a Let's Play video is doesn't have to be any sort of, of commentary but it's taking gameplay footage you upload it as your own content it is a legal gray area no ifs ands or buts about it it is not it is not original content it is content it be it's it's akin to someone uploading to me a tv show mm-hmm. you're uploading someone's commercial content yourself most of the game companies don't care and let it go nintendo has had they came out with a policy i think a little I think it was a year ago where it, they were doing almost like a certain YouTubers or you had to do an agreement with them where some people can get away with it totally. Some were splitting the ad revenue. That's their right. Because again, a, a let's play doesn't really fall under fair use. At least to me, it doesn't people will give me shit for it. I don't think it does, but most, again, most people get away with it anyway. Most people, there's huge shows on YouTube that are just let's plays. The biggest YouTuber is a let's player PewDiePie. So again, most companies don't care, but Microsoft won officially lay down rules, which is a good idea. So, what they said was, has to be captured during normal gameplay. I think that's good. So they don't want you to, uh, without the use of reverse engineering or hacking. Good. They don't want to promote hacking the system. That's yeah. perfectly fine. Microsoft's rules additionally prohibit the use of gameplay footage to produce content that is pornographic, lewd, obscene, vulgar, vulgar, discriminatory, or otherwise objectionable. So, so what they want? They don't want people to use their content to put out videos where uh, it's just, well, look at me uh, curse out people while I'm playing Call of Duty and upload it and it's just funny. Ha ha ha. Yeah. What you see. Or people troll. I've seen uh, some are actually funny. Uh, or they troll. They uh, they attack their own teammates in a first-person shooter and get called various uh, racial and sexual epithets. You know. And Microsoft wants to say, hey, if you upload that, that's fine, but you're not going to be able to make money off of that. This is where we're going to draw the line. And that's what Microsoft is doing. 
And they even said whether an objection, whether an item is objectionable, is up to us. But you at can least ex- they're upfront about. But that. you can uh, expect us to be concerned if a significant number of people in the game's community or the public at large report the content as offensive. So this, to me, just seems like them covering their ass in case they have to come down on a, a YouTube video. Say one comes out there that's really to them just this paints us in a bad light. We're not, not going to at least let you make money off of it. Yeah, they're not saying they're going to strike it from the internet, but you're not going to make money off of something that we think is bullshit. I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, and more companies need to do it. I mean, Nintendo really needs to come out with a concrete set of rules for what they think is... Uh, acceptable. Acceptable, because they can't make up their goddamn minds. Yeah, I mean, Nintendo's even flagged some of my videos for um, just use of... I think it was... I think a few of my early Flea Markets Manus videos, I used, like, music from, like, Super Mario 2 in the background for, like... 45 seconds and so I can't monetize those videos because of that you can say uh, that's not fair use technically but it's like Nintendo is really stringent about going after that sort of stuff they were the first one to really do that couldn't you just re-upload the video without Without it oh yeah I could do that but then you lose all the comments and you know the comments are bullshit (laughs) why do you care why is it all about the money why can't it be about you have fun doing it well that too so if anyone wants to see me uh, definitely, definitely cry this year, uh, if anyone wants to definitely <laughs> see tears rolling down my face as I try to hold back the sobs, it's going to be when Macho Man Randy Savage gets put into the WWE Hall of Fame. Shut up. It's about goddamn time he gets put into the fucking Hall of Fame. The fact that he's getting put into the Hall of Fame on, as, as, as first ballot 2015 is still fucking insulting to me. First ballot 2015? Eat my dick. Um, well, there are no first or second ballots. It's just you're in. Well, no, the, I mean, they, 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 well they say he's the first entry. In, 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 oh, yeah. so that's it, doesn't, it doesn't mean anything, mean but they, that's what they're saying. Yeah. Um, I am beyond happy that he is finally getting... Oh, yeah. Put in. Um, I mean, it. we're not going to talk. I'm going to try not to talk too long about because we did a lot of wrestling. But the man was probably, in my opinion, the greatest wrestler, at least of his generation, if not, and, and certainly one of the greatest of all time. Um, his ring skills, while uh, not as flashy as what we have today, were the inspiration to tons of wrestlers to be the types of wrestlers that they are today. Um, the man had proportionally low number of championships for his um, high level of... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? For the high level of... Uh, popularity? Po- well, his popularity and the inspiration he gave to future two, wrestlers. Two WWF, one WCW. No, 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 no. Two WWF, four WCW. Four? One, um, one IC. That's it. That's it. That's all he had. He had four WCW? Really? Well, I remember the one when he was at NWO. So the thing is, is his wow. his WCW run wasn't really great. And it's not necessarily Randy Savage's fault. That was after he had some serious neck surgery. Yeah, he was retired from WWE. Yeah, yeah. He retired from WWE, got called back. Ted Turner called him. He was like, okay, let's make more money. But he had had neck surgery. He couldn't move like he used to. And the booking was awful around that time anyways. But... All of his stuff in the WWF was fantastic. Um, he's being inducted. This is where I get really kind of pissy is in two spots. They interviewed his brother, uh, Lanny, Lanny Poffo, Leaping who, Lanny Poffo. Who was also the genius. 
And um, in the two podcasts, he paints a different story. On the one, he actually says, it was always Randy's dream to have the Poffo family inducted into the Hall of Fame at the same time. In the other, and that's why he held on for so long. In the complete other podcast he did days later, he basically apologized to his brother up in heaven and said, I hope you don't hold it against me. I learned to let go. So whatever the case may be, he's getting in there. What bothers me more is that Hulk Hogan is doing his yeah. induction. And that, I don't want to get too angry. They did not. They had a lot of animosity in real life between yes. Hogan and, and... And they say that they patched it. Hogan likes to say that they patched it up. But the same, the same way he patched up with the Warrior, but that was more like we probably hugged it out for right. a minute and then talked for ten minutes and that was it. You know what I mean? That's that's not that doesn't mean you're friends. But a lot of people say that up until the end, um, Randy's animosity towards Hogan and Hogan's towards Randy was pretty high. And uh, I don't know that Hogan really deserves any animosity towards Macho Man because Macho Man helped push him through very important times. You have to understand that the, these guys wrestled together I mean, wrestled against each other over a hundred matches. Mm-hmm. How many of them did Randy Savage win? Zero. Yeah, Macho Man Randy Savage beat Hulk Hogan zero times. Uh, Macho Man helped give Hogan his sort of second resurgence, resurgence in the late eighties. Yeah, with, with the, the mega, with the mega powers. With the mega powers. Uh, I always confuse which WrestleMania was which. I believe he won the championship at WrestleMania four. Uh, was it four? It's and then, four, and then they exploded. Then, 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 then he turned heel throughout the year. Macho Man, and then Hogan won it from him at WrestleMania Five. So that was a really awesome angle, just because of the slow burn that they don't do anymore. Nope. It took a full year to do it, or you know, you had the face turn slowly. I mean, or heel turn very slowly. Jealousy over Miss Elizabeth, and that really helped Hogan. That oh uh, yeah, it, it rounded his character out more and it helped refresh him. Because by that point, Hogan had been the top of the company since '83. That was what was that? Five years. So already, usually, once you get to five years, people want something else, something new. Yeah. And it should have been Savage, and he was huge because he won the championship at WrestleMania four. But then it went back to Hogan. And then Savage never really got up to that height anymore. Then he won it the second time against, what, Flair. Flair. He won it against Flair, and then he held it until he lost it to Warrior. And then he... Didn't really retire right after that. He appeared one more... I mean, he went back to Miss Elizabeth, went face, appeared one more time as Macho Man, not Macho King, so he could leave WWF as okay. as Macho Man, and then that was the end of it. He, he uh, lost the title to Warrior? I thought uh, he only won the title once, Warrior. He lost the title... No, war, or, well, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't the title. Uh, maybe it wasn't the, He lost his, his career match. Yeah, that was a career... At WrestleMania yes, yes, 7. Yes, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. He that's lost his... Yeah, that's that's what it was. Yeah, which um, was a good match. Very good match. Especially Warrior's best match, probably. I go back and forth on it. it it's, 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 an in, it's an interesting mix of... And we've talked about it before, but it's an interesting mix of Savage's meticulously planned out style in Warrior's comic book persona. I've said it before, I hate the fact that he no-sells the elbow drop five times. But it's a no, good No, he match. sold it. He didn't get up. He, he just kicked out. He didn't no-sell him. He was down in the, well, the map okay. for like three minutes. He no-sold five of them. No, he didn't. He sold them. He just kicked out. He kicked out. That's still to me no-selling no a finisher. No, he no-sold the pedigree 
at WrestleMania okay. 12. Right. That was no selling fine, in fine. before the fans kill you. I know what no selling is. <laughs> okay. You can use it in a couple different it, contexts. It, it, it didn't finish him off. Yeah. Uh, but, but the thing about Savage, why he was so good, is that he switched back from uh, face to heel like twice in WWE. He went back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, love the interviews. The 360! Yeah. <laughs> he, he, the thing about Savage, people understand, understand I... I shed a tear when he died. I oh, did. I did. I, I always say it, when, when 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 Twitter goes crazy with celebrity deaths, the there's only been two that have greatly affected me. Uh, maybe three. Uh, one was Hunter S. Thompson. The other one was uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. But the one that I actually shed tears was Macho Man Randy Savage. Not gonna lie about it. I cried when the man died. I I, I miss when Hunter Thompson died. He died. He died in two thousand five. Yeah, he killed himself. Oh. Okay. I was okay with this choice. <laughs> okay with this choice. That, well, if well, you read a lot of Hunter S. Thompson, you realize that's probably how um, it was going to go. The thing about Savage, though, is, especially for the Hulkamania era, he was the second most well-known, most popular wrestler before a... Warrior. Um, that, that one or two years where Warrior was huge. He was the most well-known wrestler. Yeah. Like, he, he was on talk shows, and WWE did a great uh, induction video. I uh, was showed he was on Arsenio Hall. He was always funny, always well educated, always answered the questions correctly. Now, of course, when it came to stuff like the steroids, he had to say, "No, I haven't done it." Of course, later he made he did because everyone did. Yeah. But he had to say because he saw himself as a role model for the kids, so he couldn't say that he did steroids back when everyone else was doing it. You know. Uh, then, then of course, there was always the rumors about him and Stephanie McMahon when she could have been young and something might have happened. There's always been this really weird sort of rumors about that. Those seem to have vaporized in recent years, but I don't know. You can't say, but people say that maybe that they had an inappropriate relationship when she was still like a teenager. Who knows? That could be the reason why he didn't come back. But he did come back. He did come back. Um, he came back for the a year ago. It was a year and a half ago. Or was it already two years when he came back to the studios to do the promotion for the WWE uh, that WWE game they, uh, on the new systems. Yeah. So then you thought, oh well, he's gonna he's gonna be back again. Then he's dead. Unfortunately, that was two years ago. He's already been dead. That's right. Yeah. So 2011, I think I think is when he died. Actually, was it really? It's yeah, been that so long. It might, I, think I thought it, it was. Two, well, okay. Yeah, I think he had a heart attack in 2011, September, or something like that. Um, but the other thing that was interesting for May me about 2011. Okay. So it's been. Wow, I was close. Four years almost. Holy crap. The one thing I'll say, the last thing I'll say about Savage that I think really um, meant that he was something special, at least for me, was uh, um, even as a kid, you know, when you always loved the faces, I loved Savage whether he was heel or face. It didn't matter. Macho King? You like the Macho King? Yeah. I was a Macho Man Randy Savage fan. Whether good or bad, I didn't I didn't, I didn't give a shit. You know, it was just, that was the guy. You loved the character. Yeah. He, he was obviously very intelligent. He, his promos were the best, best. at the time. <laughs> I would, you can go on, people, if you don't like pro wrestling, I know some of our audience doesn't, go just on YouTube and put in Macho Man promo. Yeah. And they'll have like a 10 minute string of his crazy but hysterical promos. Most of which he did off the top of his head. Yes. Yeah, almost all of them he did a off lot, the top A lot of, of times playing off the brilliant Mean Gene Okerlund. Oh, he played his straight man part perfectly. Him and Mean Gene were the best promo couple. Yes, they were just good because Mean Gene always had to be like, oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> you know, he, he, they both played their parts well. Uh, and uh, again, when Monster Man died, it was all over the news, ESPN. He he touched people's lives. People don't realize it. Like, yeah, we you take Hogan out of the equation and 
it was Macho Man. He was but, the guy people remember from that era. When and you, that's why it's surprised that it took until now for him to get in the Hall of Fame. When, when you Google stuff um, about wrestlers, you normally don't see it on real sporting websites, real sports websites. Um, when I went to go Google uh, you know, him being inducted into the Hall of Fame, it was on real sports websites. Like He is one of those guys that is considered... You know, one of those very athletic. He was taken very seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, because he took he took his craft seriously. Yeah. Uh, real sports websites or real sports news yeah. took him seriously. And obviously, great psychology in his matches. Uh, uh, the, the WrestleMania three uh, Steamboat match stole the show. So good. Um, and it, it may not. It, it's regarded one of the best matches of all time. Uh, and when you look at it now, you might say, "Oh, what's the big deal?" Before that match, there weren't matches like that. Right. That's what when you watch that match, realize that there weren't matches with that sort of pace, that sort of storytelling, that well done like that. I'm, that's that's why that match is so important. I'm fairly certain when we got the the WWE Network, I think that was the very first match I showed Vani, and I in my head I'm like I'm taking a big risk doing this, but she was like, oh that was pretty cool. I'm like. Sweet. She got it. Yeah. She got the storyline. Yeah, right, exactly. She understood all that. The interference stuff, she understood it. Yep. The story with the, with the neck, mm-hmm. everything. So, so we're happy, happy to see that, uh, even though the WWE product in the past year has not been good, that's at least a positive. On to the Q&A. And before we get to the Q&A, uh, I'll just say <laughs> E and I had some pr- pr- trouble, and we, we'd love all your suggestions, but... Sometimes we struggle to find ones that are interesting to us just because it's it's hard to make a good uh, conversation out of asking what's your favorite sort of questions or top list. It just makes it a little bit difficult. And I'm just going to say, um, try to go out there. When you're thinking of topics to suggest, just, just think of something that we can have a nice conversation about, a lot of give and take, something with maybe a little bit more depth. And also, um, if you submit the same question week after week after week and we do not answer it, that probably means that we either don't want to answer because we don't think it's interesting or we don't think it's going to have we're going to have a good conversation about it so just please we appreciate it but just don't submit the same question over and over again and give it up after the third time you give you give you three shots if we don't if we don't answer <laughs> then then we're probably not going to and and it's not to be a dick but it, a lot of the stuff that we're bypassing isn't because we don't like you or the question doesn't have you know some sort of maybe interesting merit like in a different situation but um Questions that can be answered with, like, yes, no's, maybe's are just things that we're not going to do because it, they're just they're, they're too quick. There's there's yeah. no conversation. Yeah, no there. one's going to want to hear us say a question and say yes or no or, or say, well, what's your favorite game? And I just say Danny Sullivan's Indie Heat. It's not interesting. The Indie, like, peanuts? Well the, well, the game is interesting, but, I mean, the answer is not. Yes, dry roasted. I mean, you know, whatever. Okay, first question. At Gesture of Roanoke. Is that Roanoke, Virginia? Roanoke, yeah. Do you think scalping of Nintendo product, not just Amiibos, has taken a steep upturn lately? I do. Yeah, it's it's every month you see it now with a a quote-unquote limited Nintendo product. Yeah, I... (sighs) Goes back to what, that that, the New York City Zelda exclusive with the... Well, I mean, there's always been Nintendo exclusives, but it just seems like they're... With, especially with the Amiibos and the fact that, you know, now we know that, you know, certain ones are always going to be hyper-limited. Um, with the limited edition systems for games that are ridiculously popular. Um, yes, we have seen a huge 
uh, upturn in uh, the scalping of Nintendo products. I don't think it's just Nintendo, though. I think scalping of video game stuff, or at least speculating and sitting on video game stuff, is 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 hitting a huge upturn too. People buying two copies of a game, one to open and play, and one to hold on to, just in case. You know, it's it's stupid. Um, it's largely the scalpers fault i mean it's hard to say without the scalpers influence what these supply situations would be like but i am not going to let nintendo get off the hook on this either no i'm not no i'm not I, i'm not they 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 know they can fix this by putting out more you can argue that they're being conservative but i i feel like they're just feeding into this i think that at least for the amiibo cuz the amiibo is is i mean not expensive to produce in the bulk they're producing it is that they should sell them until the, the, they stop selling, or at least produce them until they stop selling. Sure. For every single one, because obviously they're putting out tons of Mario's and tons of Links, you know. And why not just put out a little bit more, you know, of those Rosalinas until they're not selling anymore? Because obviously they're not going to sell all the Mario's. So why not not sell? I know it's all with the shelf space. I understand that, but but put out even a few in each box. Like I said about like with toys, just put a few in there. Like I said, I think it still comes down to a web store that Nintendo runs where that, you order them. Yeah, that, that would then, be the solution. And then, I mean, then, you know, they do that. They monitor the supply and demand specifically themselves. You limit it to one per household. You buy them, and when they do seriously stop seeing the orders trickle in, then they can be like, okay, we're no Hell, longer producing You know this. what? I'll give you two or three you can buy. Because even even then, you're not going to be able to get 100 like that asshole did. Right. You know, And people will be able sure. to still get them or get them for their friends. They say, hey, I, you know, I'll order one for you, too. I want Rosalind as well. Yeah, fair. You know. From Noah Klasinski at Nintendo Beer Guy. We'd probably get along. Um, <laughs> with the WWE WrestleMania pinball machine announcement from Stern, let's hear some pinball news. Well, unfortunately, pinball doesn't move very quickly. So there's not a lot of news. But this did get announced right after our last podcast, uh, which was so wrestling-themed it would have been fitting. And Stern is putting out a pro and a limited edition um, model of the WrestleMania, uh, uh, WrestleMania pinball machine. Um, I think the machine looks... Fairly cool. I have to see this. I have not seen this yet. I think the machine looks fairly cool, uh, setup wise. I don't like the graphics. Actually, it looks the setup looks kind of like the Royal Rumble. Yeah, it in does. 90, was it ninety one? Ninety three, I think. But yeah, uh, the, setup looks, the setup looks similar, similar. except for the, a ring on the top. So, it, you know, it's it's not a bad looking machine, um, but it's it's covered in graphics of wrestlers I couldn't really give a shit about. Yeah, that's the problem with these games with wrestling. Yeah, and um, so it's like a, it's a mix of of real photos and art, which I hate when they mix. Just do one or the other. Yeah, exactly. And I don't, uh, I don't have a lot of faith in Stern right now. Stern's last two good machines, in my opinion, really good machines, were Tron and uh, the limited edition ACDC, or now what they're calling the Lucy ACDC, because you can it's... you can buy the limited edition one at a cheaper price with a different back glass. Oh, that's uh, not bad. Yeah, so. I mean, it looks like a very symmetrical machine. Star Trek, but like a lot of their other ones that have come out, like Metallica and Star Trek since, um, they're nice machines. They have fun shots, but the rules suck on them. They feel cheap as shit. They feel very, very cheaply made. And I need, I mean, I need, it's just one of those things where I never would have guessed in a million years, really, that they would do another 
WWF pinball machine, WWE one. I mean, that's kind of out of nowhere for Stern. Um, Stern usually does movie licenses and music. Well, this one is, uh, this is called Legends of WrestleMania. Maybe I don't. They're putting out different versions. Uh, so this one has. I'm looking at the the the, the yeah, sign. Are, Jake, are... the, Jake the Snake, Legion of Doom, uh, Paul Bearer, Ric Flair. Of course, Triple H has to have his fucking mug front and center because. He's as big as Flair and Legion of Doom, and you know. And <laughs> yeah. then, then atop they have this is appropriate though. The top uh, of this one has Andre, The Rock, Hogan, Austin, and Undertaker. That they yeah. all fit. See, that's fine. And, and, and those are like, and they're doing different back glasses. Like I think the pro one is the one that's got Cena's mug front and center. Of course, no, yeah. no one's going to want to buy that one, so they'll go for the, the, yeah, the limited exactly. edition one. Um, I I really do want to get my hands on one. Uh, I'm not sure when they're rolling it out. I think they said three months. Uh, but so I will probably get a chance to play it at my local pinball spot if I'm lucky. If not, um, Stern always shows up with a machine. If they're proud of a machine, they show up with it um, at Comic-Con. So I'd be able to play it there. From this picture I'm looking at, so it has the dot matrix display, but does it also have a little video screen underneath with uh, Hogan on it? I thought it might. It looks like they I'm, might it, be Yeah, there doing might be a both. little video screen. It's like, it, I, it, from this picture, uh, dot matrix, they, they always do Stern. They haven't gone total... Uh, L- uh, LCD yet, no. but then underneath you have, I want to say from it looks like about six inches uh, big, six by probably three, and uh, yeah, it's Hogan tearing the shirt off. So it looks like you might be a- activating some little mini videos, or maybe like an entrance or something like that, which would be pretty cool. So that's a nice little happy medium. I know. Like the, speaking of news, Big Lebowski seems to be coming along pretty well. From there's been more released videos right. of that, even though it looks like it's not programmed yet, yeah, um, fully, but. With that, it's interesting because that's a fake dot matrix display. It's it's just a filter they put on, yes. it, which is cool. Yeah, because then you, you can have probably a choice to take it on or off. That's a nice happy medium. Well, and, and yeah, exactly. The the filter is pretty cool. Um. So yeah, I mean that's that's the thoughts on that pinball machine. I just thought it was funny that last year they brought um Metallica back to uh Comic Con because Ford got or Ford Mustang got just ripped apart really oh it was, yeah. it was, so mustang came out last year no Must- one and no one liked it so well, it's like, kind of a weird sort of yeah. mustang really it's so sort of, they didn't take it they brought they brought um uh, i don't i don't again. see how even when people want to buy it because of the theme though i mean harley davidson yeah that's like a that's one thing but Ford i'm mustang? 55 and i have a small penis so i'm gonna buy the ford mustang pinball machine maybe it was like a steve mcqueen sort of tie that could be cool. no it was just straight up mustang theme yeah bad call <sighs> but you know what? I like to see wrestling products, and I love. I like the Royal Rumble machine. If you like Macho Man, his voice is all yeah, over that, yeah, yeah. that Royal Rumble. It's Royal Rumble! So man's voice. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was pretty great. That, it was just fun. CLB Gamer. Have you played any of the classic first-person shooters like Duke Nukem 3D, Doom Blood, or Shadow Warrior? I cut my teeth on first-person yeah, shooters. That's what I was going to say. They may not be my favorite I, genre I, now. But. I, I still remember buying the, the Wolfenstein 3D shareware mm-hmm. at the desk of, of CompUS uh, at the counter where it was like just in a little cardboard sleeve yeah. on the peg. I still remember that. And be like, wow, he's shooting a Nazi on there. I'm going to buy that and, and play that. Because my parents don't care about violence, so I'm going to buy and play that. <laughs> and, I, and and that was a complete... You didn't realize, but that was like only like, what, it was supposed to be like a third of the game? That was a full game, though. I remember the... For five bucks, whatever it cost. For whatever reason, first-person shooters always felt like the best bang for buck with shareware. Oh, like, yeah. you got a lot. Um, I remember buying, uh, getting a Duke Nukem... Or not Duke Nukem, uh, Wolfenstein 3D, and basically hiding it from my parents, because they were kind of weird about violence in games when I was a kid. Okay. It, 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 it depended... 
so I, I you know, I bar- I installed it and buried it in folders and played it. And then uh, my dad came home with Doom. We got Doom. <laughs> he know, he yeah. kind of knew you wanted it. Yeah, he's like, we got Doom. Doom or it was Doom Two was the one that we actually How bought in the big box. Yeah, and uh, because he wanted it, and I mean, we played the shit out of that. Um, Duke 3D was one that I played a good deal of. It's the only good Duke Nukem 3D game that I can the original think of. was excellent. The side scrollers are good, and the, the 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 first 3D one was good. Um, Blood I did play. I didn't play a didn't ton of it, Blood. but I really liked. Blood was interesting. Um, Kind of like horror movie themed, a little bit more violent. Oh, that's right. That was the yeah. They had blood and blood too. I yeah. Think. Okay. And blood was the better one. And blood was, blood was not actually that much gorier, but it was just there was it was very like I said it was very macabre. I, I remember Rise of the Triad playing that. That was that was fairly uh, violent. It was violent, but I remember it like being weird backgrounds and not like it wasn't like cohesive from what I remember. You know, it wasn't. Well, it was like, a weird game. I mean, you could eat, yeah. you could you could eat psilocybin mushrooms in that game, and it would trip out the screen. I loved based on the Duke Nukem engine, Shadow Warrior. Yeah, Shadow Warrior. That was, cool. was fun because stuff like the sticky bombs, you can use the katana for meleeing, slice people in half. That was that was fun multiplayer. I remember because of the well, actually Duke Nukem the same thing. We had like the, the shrink ray, and you can step on the guy. Yep, uh, and the jet pack was great. And I remember. Those games weren't actually 3D. Those were 2D games. You you couldn't go over, um, like, you couldn't walk over well, bridges and things. in Doom you couldn't. In Duke you could. You could? Yes. Because levels were I, 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 I used to make levels for these. And, and for Duke, you could... I'm not sure how they did it, but for Duke, you, there were bridges. You could have gaps and things. You could under. do it. Okay. Yes. Doom, you couldn't. Was always, Doom, uh, the, you couldn't. It was always, you're raising, basically, you're always raising always or thought, lowering the thought, tile size. I always thought Quake was the first real 3D first-person shooter. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's been ages since I made a Duke 3D level, but they they, want, they, want, they at least faked it really well. I want to. I remember Dark Forces faked. Dark Forces was not 3D. I remember it was not. Sure. Because when you looked at the map, it never crossed back over. You are always... It was turned away, then went there. It worked, though. Right. Dark Force, the original Dark Force is a really, really good game. Yeah, it's fun. People always say how the sequel was used to be one of the highest rated PC games when it was out. Go play that first Dark Forces game. Before they put all the Jedi shit in it, I don't need a fucking lightsaber in every Star Wars game. Just give me, I'm a mercenary, I'm Kyle Katarn, and I'm kicking ass. I'm throwing freaking, you know, grenades and battling Gamorrean guards and Boba Fett. Boba Fett's in that game. Mm-hmm. So that was a fun game. Shadow Warrior... Duke Nukem. Um, I the first time I bought non-shareware, I bought uh, I think it was was it uh, Ultimate Doom when they had Doom one and two in both packs. I think uh, that was the, uh, Ultimate Doom is like everything. I think it's all the wad. It, it, it was all the wad files up to that. No, Ultimate Doom was different. I thought Ultimate Doom was whatever whatever they had a package. I remember where they had Doom one and two. I think in the same. Maybe I'm confusing, it, but that's I think how I got Doom two. No, I got Doom two because a uh, kid in high school copied it onto disc for me. That's how. Uh, and I remember that I remember I had uh, I did buy the tips from the Doom Gurus pack, which was like literally you bought this huge like five hundred page book, uh-huh. and they gave you like five or six different Doom level editors. Yeah, including one you can look at it. You can look at it in three D. It was in three D, but you can look at it in three D and, and make your own wads. Yeah, that you can look. I, I had to do that. that. And then it, oh, you had tips from the uh, Doom Gurus. I had, I had it came that. with the CD and the big book. Mm-hmm. And then I remember downloading the Alien versus Predator. Do you remember that one? The Alien vs. No, Predator no, mod? No, I, I remember the Aliens mod, which was really good. I don't remember the Alien vs. Predator one. The Alien vs. Predator one, was, it wasn't the best layout, but it was like almost circular. You had tons of aliens, and you had Predators that were invisible. And 
they made it so hard that you could not survive more than like two minutes. Like it, you were just dead. <laughs> but they put in sound effects from the movies like "Let's Rock" and "Fucking A" and, and stuff like that. And uh, that that was a lot of creativity. I'm sure a lot of programmers got their start as kids, just playing, making their own, uh, you know, their own levels. Yeah. And loading them up from DOS. That's how you did it back then. Uh, any other first-person shooters you remember from, from the 90s? What was that space one that was sort of based on the Wolfenstein engine? I always remember that... Spear of Death? No. Spear of Destiny was the sequel. That was the sequel of Wolfenstein. There was a space one where it was futuristic. I always remember it because there was always one enemy that when you shot him, his like leg would fall off when you killed him. And he would yell. Someone out there will know what I'm talking about. But, uh, it was also shareware. But I, I did play the hell out of Catacomb 3D, which I think might have been the first. I don't true, remember that one. At first person shooter. It, it was old. You ever I play mean, like Heretic? Uh, the Heretic? Ones? Heretic and Hexen were fucking you phenomenal. Did play those? Yeah. I remember playing them a little bit. I never finished them. I loved them. Uh, Hexen was one of the first games I remember with like a sort of semi-open hub world where you had to like go do things elsewhere. Really? And yeah, yeah, it wasn't level based. It was kind of hub based. I remember playing, probably my first online game experience in the mid-90s was playing uh, Doom online. Same. And I remember it being, it wasn't bad for, for uh, you know, 56K modem. It wasn't terrible. No, my buddies and I used to just direct dial each other and play one-on-one deathmatch in small maps. And I was and I was pretty good at it. I was always good at first-person shooters, but I was pretty good at that. Um, and then never never tried Wolfenstein. Did Wolfenstein have multiplayer? No, I don't think it did. Yeah. Not to my knowledge. But uh, there you go. That's our little 90s. But you know what the thing I like about Doom, though? It, was, uh, it started that whole, the look of the games changing. and, <laughs> and it, it looks it, like Jurassic look Park like, on the Super that's Nintendo. That's a very inside joke. Yeah, okay. And maybe four of you will know what we're talking about. <laughs> and we'll just leave it at that. John Stevens. Uh, this is going to be quick. Did you two, Don't blow anything for me. Did you two watch <laughs> New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom 9 Tokyo Dome show? If so, favorite moment? Um, no, I did have not re- watched it yet. I am 100% certain it's fantastic. I grew up watching a lot of these. I mean, not grew up, but I, I spent the past... I didn't watch a lot of U.S. wrestling in the 2000s. I watched a lot of Japanese wrestling, so I'm interested to see where it is now. Um, I'm happy I tracked it down online, not legally. I know that bothers you, but... No. I had to check it out because uh, pro wrestling, if you don't know, in Japan, it's treated like a serious sport and how it's covered and how the fans look at it. Obviously, they know it's work, but they they raise to it like a level of respectability that's not seen in the U.S. Right. And that comes through in the product. They treat the product like it's a sport. Mm-hmm. The rankings of wrestlers, win streaks, losses, they reference wins and losses constantly. They don't usually do that in u.s wrestling they don't usually bring up a guy who's on a losing streak um the only, go, the only time you ever see weird sets is like the rumble you'll be like this guy was really good in last year's rumble and but the year before but you don't see they it. don't treat it like going back like a sport and saying this person won this person this person beat this person him or lost they do that in in japanese at least in new japan from what i see because they again it builds some sort of believability of this is a sport they care about wins and losses they mm-hmm. care about being they care about chasing championships because it's prestige and it's money and I love that I yeah. wish they had that in, in WWE they don't have it really at all the importance of titles where um, in US wrestling usually it's the world heavyweight championship and everything else is crap or doesn't matter right now the U.S. championship means absolutely nothing in WWE. The Intercontinental Championship changes hands every other month. doesn't mean anything. They go out of the, they go out of the way to make sure that the Junior Heavyweight Championship means just as much. The Junior Tag Team Championships mean just as much. And so 
what was good about it, obviously the, these are the, the the best wrestlers in the world. Like when you when you look at the card up and down, there's you know what I mean it's not like ah oh, this is a crappy match. Every match was good. Right. Even even they had like do you think the UWF uh, unified rule which they have matches in Japan for those of you who don't know where they do like they treat them like shoot like UFC mixed martial art yeah. matches where it'll be matches where it's a submission or knockout to win to change it up. They even had that and even that even that had psychology that was interesting to it. So they had uh, they actually hired Jim Ross to do it. Global Force Wrestling, which is Jarrett running, who's helping uh, to like bridge the gap between all these different. Uh, international wrestling entities, and he teamed up. Jared actually wrestled on the card as part of the Bullet Club, which is like their version of the NWO. Right. Um, and so Jim Ross called the action with Matt Stryker. They did a good job. Jim Ross isn't the best at calling out play by play like moves, but he did it enough to at least push the story about who these wrestlers were and why you should care about it, especially to a first time audience. Well, and that's why I admired Jim Ross. Is at the very at the very least, you know, he gives a shit about yes. it. You know he's and, he's trying. He's not collecting a paycheck. Jim Ross loves wrestling. Yes. He was he was, I mean, if you follow him on Twitter, he was really excited to be part of this. And Matt Stryker, I'm I'm very surprised, and it's a shame that WWE fired him because Stryker was really coming into his own on color commentary, really uh, like old school color commentary, t- telling you why certain moves, why wrestlers were using certain strategies, what they were doing to body parts, things like that. That really is a lost art that you haven't seen since, like uh, guys like Jesse Ventura would would go down that route. So he was good uh, adding the flavor of a lot of the moves that maybe Jr. didn't know the names to, uh, but also adding in more of the details. So they worked very well together as a team. And I watched most of it. I didn't watch all of the event, but no, I was I was very 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 impressed, not knowing who most of these wrestlers were and just seeing how they acted in the ring and, and having JR and Matt Stryker put over their characters, it was enough to get me into the match. The matches. And uh, Kenny Omega, I've seen his work before. Awesome wrestler, Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. If you watch the card, look for his match. I saw Kenny Omega wrestle an 11-year-old girl, um, and it was an awesome match. <laughs> he obviously worked with her. and it, Go find it. Look for Kenny Omega versus, I think it's like 11-year-old girl, 12-year-old girl. It is, it is awesome how they put together a match. And, like, they... As realistically as they can do a match between them. Right. But Kenny Omega is a very cocky sort of character. Some of his matches, he actually uses like a Mega Man move where he like pauses time and then attacks the person. Like <laughs> stuff like that. So I was happy with it. Final question from another, wow, another Jester of Roanoke. How did you guys come by your seemingly extensive, well, thank you, video game Thanks. and pinball knowledge? Books, magazines, internet? It, well, it's a combination. A lot of it's time. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's it's not like I I've been following retro games uh, or getting back into it since I'd say ninety seven, right? Probably definitely ninety eight with TASR's NES archive and starting to learn about it. But I'd say even ninety seven is when I I started to get. I think I went back to Funkland and got an NES and said I want to I want to start doing this. And, and then it's the internet. It's talking to people. It's uh, it's going to flea markets and seeing things you don't you discover. Wow, I didn't know this existed. Then you run home and look it up. You know that's that was a lot of it. You find a game you you, you didn't know about. You put it in back when they were a dollar each, and you play the game and find out about it. Yeah, I mean for me it was yeah just being immersed in it since you know I was a kid. Um, you know having had a system from every generation since the Nintendo going back to you know I mean I went to a flea market and bought an Atari 5200 when I was 12 because I'm stupid and 
<laughs> I'm stupid and I love that system. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, a lot of it was the boom on the internet in 97. The internet was a great place for nerds to gather. And, you know, back then, you know, video games were still very much that domain. So we, uh, we all pooled our information and you learn a lot. And a lot of it is, I always joke, I, I credit a lot of my video game and pinball knowledge. Any, any obscure knowledge that I have to the fact that I'm a pretty bad insomniac. Um, when you have nothing to do at night and you're tired and you're too tired to really like play a game, but your body won't let you sleep. You just read about topics that interest you. Um, pinball is actually interesting. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I knew a good deal about pinball because I played a shitload of it growing up in the 90s. But um, when I went to go buy my first pinball machine two years ago, uh, I took three months and basically just read everything I could find on the internet about pinball. About repairing pinball, um, about the different machines, about the different designers. Pinball was a little bit easier, though, because there are only about 795 post-electromechanical machines. Only 700? Only, yeah. But, I mean, it is a lot, right? But when you think about learning about the NES library, well, it's like learning one video game library. Okay. You know, so it's it's, it's not a ton to take in. Um, you know, now if you want to go all the way back to electromechanicals and, um, you know, bagatelles and stuff like that, you know, there's a lot more to learn. But really, yeah, it's just putting the time into reading about what you're, you're interested in. Um, some people might do better with videos. I do way better with reading. Um, and yeah, that's it. I think this, I know you get on collectors, but the one thing about collecting is that you have to have knowledge to know what you're buying and selling or looking for. And if it wasn't for me collecting games, there'd be no reason to learn about a lot of the video games that I have or, or even want to play. So there's something to be said for that too. It's what you come across. It's like, it's like um, when you learn about new topics, there's no direct way to do it. Sometimes it's osmosis or you learn on the fly or you get fragments and pieces. That's just how it works. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it's, I, you always get, I mean, yes, the general term collector is not something I'm particularly fond of, but, um, we still had to learn about the games the same way, you know? I mean, so yes, as a collector, you are going to learn a lot about games because you have to know what you're buying and selling and trading as a person who plays games you have to know a lot about what you're buying and selling and trading so you don't end up with a pile of crap that you don't want i, I mean everyone's and, gonna everyone's gonna pull from that same pool and and you're never gonna know everything no so so you and i don't know uh everything about video no, games absolutely not the good thing about us is that when we shoot the video game years usually if one of us don't know that much the other person does yeah. so it's like you're never gonna like i'm never gonna be an expert because I don't enjoy them that much on like dungeon crawling games and roguelikes or Namco and I like some Namco. Uh, I love Sky Kid <laughs> and Pac-Man and RPGs because they're not my main focus. But right. I know a lot about platformers and sports games and you know adventure games and stuff that I gravitate towards and and weird games like Gunship, Gunship and Gunship, <laughs> Microprose games. Damn it, <laughs> F-, 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 F-15 Strike Eagle. Um. So I don't know where we're going with this, but that, that's what it comes down to. And it's not like, it, you, it's not easy to, any topic, it just takes time and you have to put in the time. And this is, again, this is like, Jesus Christ, how long was this? Like 17 years for me. Yeah. 
It's not it's not super genius stuff, man. It's just it's all we've done with our lives. <laughs> yeah, which is sad, I guess. But I, guess, yes. but I mean that that's really what it comes down to, you know. I mean, you can pick up a lot on the internet these days, but it's just that this is the hobby that I've always known. It's just like how I mean, it's like I've got friends and I'm like fuck's wrong with blah 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 this that car thing and they're like oh it's this that and the next thing well they've worked on cars since they were old enough to be underneath a car you know it's just what do you know what have you always done sure i mean before video games i mean i I know i have a decent comic knowledge i felt i've fallen off it but i used to know a lot about like all the comic origins issues and character arcs arcs it's just what you're interested in and then you want to learn you ask vonnie questions like that it's like watching popcorn just pop she's like Boom, 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 I could, boom, I boom, could, boom, boom, For boom, Spider-Man, boom. I know most of the key issues, like what happens, like this is what this happens, but I'm not perfect. But. Yeah. All right. That's a fairly quick CU podcast, at least for us recently. That's an hour and 38. That's respectable. I like I like our 90-minute ones. Yeah. We only had five Q&As, is that why? We only had five Q&As. And we kept the wrestling talk only about... I'm not going to count Randy Savage. That wasn't wrestling talk. That's not wrestling talk. That's that, That's life talk. That's life talk. That's, that's, re- that's Dude, Randy again, Savage talk. If you don't like wrestling, go out and watch, Rand- type YouTube Randy Savage promo or interview and watch a block of him. And if, if you don't at least smile, <laughs> yeah. you are dead inside. You, you'll like the man at you'll, the very you'll least. You'll at least like the man. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. We love you, Randy Savage. Yes, we do. 360. Snap into it. We'll see you in two weeks. We'll see you on hopefully the 28th, and then I will have a Flea Market Madness out. Hopefully by then I'll make it my mission, and then working on the DVD. I'll pre-orders for my DVD uh, probably next month. I'd say for sure in February, probably ship out early March. We'll see. Working on DVDs is terrible when you do it by yourself. That's not something that I love to do. I love video games, but not working on DVDs. Mm. <laughs> and you would just want to go. But at least your triglycerides haven't popped through your nose and mouth yet. Mm. They will soon. So for Ian Ferguson, I am Pat Contry. This has been a completely unnecessary podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.